engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Seven seven nine seven three seven four two five. If you'd like to be a part of the program, you're more than welcome to call in. I, yeah, oh, you know, okay. <sighs> Breathe. I, I, we've rearranged stuff in the office. If you see any of the videos now, from yesterday, today, or moving forward. I've got this nice background now. It was uh, the view out the window, and we had to use a TV monitor to project the view out the window on it so that we control the lighting for camera and video. And now I've got this. It's a beautiful, beautiful background. Uh, it is three-dimensional. It's wall paneling. It's it's old reclaimed wood from barns and buildings, and it's flooring, it's it's joists, it's it's beams from attics and roofs, and it really is gorgeous, and it smells fantastic. Um, but now, what do I do with this this giant 90, 95-inch TV that I was sitting in front of that projected it? So I've got the news on, so I can watch the news, and if there's a breaking news or something, I, I it comes on, and, and it's been on CNN. The amount of obsessive nonstop coverage of Donald Trump on this network during the daytime. It has been nonstop. They are obsessed with Donald Trump all of a sudden. Uh, it, 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 maybe it's been this way, and I just I, I don't watch the news. I, I make the news. I don't I don't watch the news. I, I, y'all, it, it, it is nonstop. The, these people are obsessed. I mean, Donald Trump needs a restraining order against these people. They they are stalking him. It, it's, I, I y'all, I, I'm uh, my brain hurts. I I gotta I gotta change the channel. Something good. I had it on Fox the other day, and there was hardly anything about Trump. It is nonstop on Donald Trump. Um, they're they're not really covering the anti-Semitism hearings on in, in Congress. They're just covering Trump. It's it's wild. It's. I mean, the, the, it, it's just fueling um, insanity. By I, it, it makes my head hurt. Now, something else that makes my head hurt, um, and that is this this uh, what, what what is this organization? Um, I had to write it in in my notes. The National Women's Law Center. So the president is is Fatima Ghost Graves. Fatima Gross Graves. Um, let's let's Google this woman and see what she comes up with. Um, she is Miss Ghost Graves. Has served in numerous positions with the National Women's Law Center for more than a decade. Has spent her career fighting to advance opportunities for women and girls. She has a distinguished track record working across a broad set of issues central to women's lives. 
She's a co-founder of the Time's Up Legal Defense Fund. Uh, she served as the National Women's Law Center's uh, Senior Vice President for Program. She's authored articles about women. She received a BA from UCLA, a JD from Yale. She began her career with the law firm clerk for Diane Wood of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Seventh Circuit. Uh, she's an advisor to the American Law Institute Project on Sexual and Gender-Based Misconduct on Campuses, was on the EEOC Select Task Force on the Study of Harassment in the Workplace. She's a Ford Foundation public. She, she is, in other words, a very good progressive. And I want you to listen to this woman. And success in school sports depends on a whole range of factors, including how hard you work and coaching and access to really good resources and facilities. And trans students participate in sports for the same reason as their kids, because it is fun, because it creates belonging and community, because it teaches so much about persistence and leadership and and discipline unless they learn to lose gracefully, hopefully. And often they learn to win with dignity, hopefully. Um, they learn to do the sort of work that means you have higher grades and stay connected to school. I want every kid to have that chance, to have the chance to play. She's talking about girls losing to boys in sports, and she wants them to learn to lose gracefully to the boys. That, I think, is not the most damning part of this woman's testimony. She had this exchange with Representative Paul Gosar of Arizona. Listen to uh, this, the president of the National Women's Law Center, ex having an exchange with Paul Gosar. <laughs> Genetic composition of a transgender versus a woman the same? No. Well, I'm not a scientist. But well, but we're talking about science here, so I, mean, I hope you I, they're I, not the same. So that's why you see all these physiological differences. If I can answer, though, I, I mean, if your question is um, how do you define woman, a woman is an adult female, but there's a lot of variation that goes beyond my level of high well, school biology. Well, I tell you, you so can't. I, I'm not looking at a definition. I'm talking about the science. The science genetically is a man is a man is a different genetics than women. Plain and simple. That's just so what it is. I, I guess what it, I would say is that it is, I'm not a scientist or a doctor, but it's my understanding that it is more complex than what you are saying, in that there is variation among men and among women, and sometimes more variation um, among than there is between. Again, I'm not a scientist, and, you know, I... I don't think the panelists are scientists either. It seems like it may be a different scientific hearing that you can. Well, that's why you have the differences. That's why you see muscle mass. That's why you see tidal volume. That's why you see all these. Right. We can stop it there. Um, have you noticed this trend? This is what's happening more and more on the left. Um, it's credentialism and the offloading of common sense to credentials. You have the president of the National Women's Law Center, which is an organization that advances uh, legal rights for women, 
who says she can't tell you what a woman is because she's not a scientist. She's just a lawyer. She's an Ivy League-educated lawyer, which is probably the problem. So how can you be the National Women's Law Center president to represent women when you can't say what a woman is because you say you're not a doctor? Let me just do this biologically. She, she starts talking about it. It's a little more complicated than my understanding of high school biology. No, it, it's actually not. What the left tries to do on this transgender issue is to try to claim it's complicated when it's actually a very simple issue. Human beings are mammals. Every group of mammals, and they're called mammals because of mammary glands, among other things. Every single group of mammals is either male or female. It's not male or female assigned at birth by someone else. It is visually obvious, male or female. There are some intersex people who are born with a genetic mutation where they have the characteristics of male or female, but even they have a predominance of one or the other because at the end of the day, what this is about is reproduction. So, a person who produces the egg is female and the one who produces the sperm is male. That's basic biology. It is high school biology. She's right, but you don't have to go beyond that. You only go beyond that if you want to obfuscate the plain truth of the matter. Women give birth. Men do not. To say it's more complicated, and this is the thing this with the postmodern left, to say this is more complicated, to, to say it's more than that, to say, well, I'm not an expert, I don't know, it, it's to abandon your common sense to someone else's credentials. But more than that, it is to defy science itself, to, define, to defy biology. Remember, at Harvard, they forced a professor to go take a leave of absence because she's an evolutionary biologist, and she said on television, on Fox, no less, that there is only male or female. So suddenly the evolutionary biologists are, are at war with the left. Uh, many of them actually are progressive. This woman, of course, uh, was a progressive who was forced on a leave of absence because she told the truth. What, what the biology says is that there is male and female. If, if you are a, a mammal, you don't have a choice. I saw someone the other day, a progressive, say, you know, there are fish like the clownfish, and and uh, they can change characteristics. They can they can change their, their sex. The clownfish male can ultimately take on the female biological characteristics. But we're not fish. We're, we're not in that class. King Philip came over from Great Spain. I remember learning that not in high school, but in middle school. What is it? Kingdom, phyla, family, or class, family, uh, genus, species. The mammal, the mammalian class that we're in, in the, in the hominids. We have opposable thumbs, we walk upright, things like that that separate us from other mammals. So you have a class of mammal with mammary glands, among other things, and then you have uh, families within that class. We're in the hominids, the apes, and the opposable thumbs, and the walking upright, things like that. And then we're in the, the, the Homo sapiens, we're the last species within the genus Homo. The Homo erectus and the others have all died out. Uh, and now suddenly you got a bunch of Ivy League-educated people who are like, oh, we don't know what we are. We, have, we don't have a science degree. 
They're offloading their common sense to science because they are anti-science, they are pseudoscience, and they don't want to speak the truth. So here's the thing. If you can't tell us what a male or a female is without being a scientist, there's no longer a need for Title IX. We should, as a society, get rid of Title IX. Title IX, of course, provides legal protections for, for women in education and in sports in particular and how sports are funded. It, it, we should get rid of Title IX. If you can't tell what a woman is anymore unless you're a scientist, then there's no reason for Title IX because it means that if you can't tell and you're Harvard or, or Yale educated in this woman's uh, place and, and she's not a scientist so she can't tell you, then none of us are scientists, so none of us can say the difference. Therefore, we don't need Title IX anymore. The feminist movement of America is jeopardizing women. The feminist movement of America is undermining women. The feminists of America, led by people like this, are eradicating femaleness, are eradicating womanhood, allowing men to decide that they are now women, allowing women to decide that they are now men. And you notice it is disproportionately, in every case, white men who've decided they want to be women. The comedian Dave Chappelle says, if it wasn't a bunch of white men who've decided they want to be women, none of us would take this seriously. He's not wrong. But if the president of the National Women's Law Center says she can't tell us what women, what it means to be a woman because she's not a scientist, but that girls in sports need to learn to lose to boys gracefully in those sports, we can get rid of Title IX tomorrow because it serves no purpose anymore. If there's not a distinction between male and female, there's no purpose for something like Title IX. If we all just get to pick and choose what we want to be, those sorts of laws are irrelevant. So the question for you ladies is do you want to protect what it means to be a woman legally, or do you want to get rid of those protections and just be one of the guys? He'll do the research and give it to you straight. Eric Erickson is live every weekday. Want to be on the show? Come on, be on the show. Call Eric now at 877-973-7425. Hello there. Welcome. You know, I, I mentioned the, um, the, the the Trump obsession on CNN, Van Jones, who I, I actually like Van. We don't really agree on a lot, but uh, I just, he, he's, a, he's a really, I, I, I find him to be a very nice guy. And he is one of those people on the left who is progressive, aligned with a lot of the progressives in this country, who has very forcefully sided with Israel uh, and condemned what Hamas did. Uh, I just, I, I find him every time I'm around him, he's just a nice guy, even as we disagree on stuff. But he's like so many on the left that this Trump obsession, listen, this is him on CNN. How should voters interpret this? I mean, how seriously should they take this? I think when somebody tells you who they are, you should believe them. Uh, this is a, I think people forget uh, a democratic republic. Uh, it's the most rare form of government in human history. You got 10,000 years of human history. Ours is the oldest. It's a couple hundred years old. What does that tell you? These things fall apart all the time. The usual thing, a strong man comes on the scene and you don't have a democracy anymore. That's happening in countries around the world. It could happen here. He's trying to be cute. He's trying to be clever. That's what his people who like him think. But if you had somebody who was in a position of power, your boss or your, your, your clergy member or whatever, 
who talked about power the way he does, you'd be very concerned. You should be concerned about America today. And this is David Urban, who used to be on the Trump campaign. Please talk Far about more. what Cash Patel said. Yeah, sure. I don't think it's getting enough attention, right? He had a big role, former counterterrorism advisor on National mm -hmm. Security Council. Would likely have, don't you think, another we'll position see. I mean, in the yeah. Trump administration if he wins? He says, we will go out and find the conspirators, not just in government, but in the media. We're going to come after the people in the media who lied about the American citizens. And look, it's outrageous. It's outrageous to say those kind of things, right? It's not helpful. It's outrageous. The only person that could beat Donald Trump in this race is Donald Trump. And by saying those kind of things, right, that may appeal to a certain segment of the, of, of the you know, the primary electorate. But it's sure not going to help you win voters in Macomb County or in, in Bucks County or, or Montgomery County. It would County. take one sentence on Truth Social to quiet this. He yeah. does not speak for me. He does not speak for me. Have you seen that? I, you know, I'm, <laughs> I, I just, if you really believe that reelecting Donald Trump, a, 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 a vote in this country by the people of the United States to reelect Donald Trump would be the end of democracy, what you're saying is you don't respect the voters. Uh, and what you're saying is you don't believe that the American system is strong. Uh, and you don't believe the institutions of the nation work. Uh, you, you have essentially embraced the idea that, that the executive is an authoritarian figure already. Uh, if you don't believe the entirety of the system that our founders put in place could prevent an, an autocracy by Donald Trump, you've already given up on the United States of America. You already have, which also kind of explains the actions of so many people on the left these days when it comes to dealing with power. Now, before I move on, you know, I had this experience, oh, painful, painful experience. I had to go to the post office yesterday. Now, look, I, I'm, God bless our, our mailmen in this country and, and the, the male women, whatever you want to say. But oh, standing in line at the post office, it's just a miserable experience. I had to go return something for my wife and I had to go by the post office and I had to take it in. I had to stand in line and... Thank God for stamps.com because when I send packages, I, I, I arrange pickup at my office. And you can't do You don't have to stand in line. In fact, you can save up to 84% off rates. The post office UPS, you get the fastest options, the cheapest options. All you need is a computer or a mobile device and a printer. You can print a label. You can ship a, you can ship a package. You can arrange for pickup at your office. Right now with stamps.com, you get a limited time offer. You get free postage, a free digital scale, no long-term commitment, no contract. You just start shipping packages today, and you get to bypass the lines. You go to stamps.com. You put in, you click on the microphone. You put in Eric, E-R-I-C-K. It's stamps.com. You click on the microphone. You put in Eric, E-R-I-C-K, you bypass the lines, you arrange pickup, you save money, you save time. It's so convenient at stamps.com to ship packages. He's got the courage to tell you the truth because the truth is what matters. You're listening to The Eric Erickson Show. Hello, America. I am so delighted to have you with me. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Uh, my buddy Joe, who's over on KPEL in Lafayette, Louisiana. Um, those of you in Georgia who pronounce it Lafayette, and I realize I got an affiliate in Lafayette, um, it's Lafayette. Um, I, I just, I have, I had the hardest, so... Squirrel. <laughs> so when I moved to Georgia, 
from Louisiana. There, there's a Houston County, but it's called Houston. There's a Vienna, Georgia, but it's called Vienna. Uh, there's a Lafayette, Georgia, but it's Lafayette. Uh, and there's a Cairo, Georgia, but it's pronounced Cairo. Um, and it just, it, it has this entire time baffled me. And also people in middle Georgia cannot say my last name. My wife did not believe me when we got married. My name is not hard. My name is Eric Erickson. It is my legitimate real name. My actual first name is Eric Woods. Um, long story, but Eric Woods Erickson is my name. Eric Dash Woods Erickson. Uh, I one time when I was in law school, I was buying beer at a local Kroger, and the cashier asked for my driver's license, and she saw it, and she she looks at me, and she and, and the name by the way, uh, Eric Erickson is pronounced by people of uh, Georgia, some people of Georgia, particularly. Uh, in the black community, but not just. Uh, the South, uh, rural, uh, black and white community in particular, it is Eric Erickson. I, I don't know. I, I, I got nothing for you. I don't know. Eric Erickson. This woman literally looks at my driver's license when I'm buying beer. She says, Eric Erickson, was your mama retarded? And then realizes what she says. I died laughing. It, it she 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 just she blurts that out and then has this horrified look like oh my gosh I can't believe I just said that out loud I died laughing that woman was not in trouble I found it absolutely hilarious that she, <laughs> she would let that come out of her mouth when she saw my name but Erica Rickerson uh, just like Cairo and Vienna and Lafayette but in Lafayette Louisiana steering my tangent back onto the main track. My buddy Joe Cunningham is on the radio there. Joe got us started at redstate.com, where I was the editor. Uh, he's now at uh, KPEL 96.5, uh, and I am now on their AM station in my home state of Louisiana. And Joe texted me this morning, and he said, well, I I'll read you his text, one of the, the, the safe text messages. Can't read you all the ones that he and I trade, but this one, he says, man, I have some very strong thoughts on McCarthy today. Boy, do I have some strong thoughts. Let's talk about Kevin McCarthy, who is leaving the United States House of Representatives. I'm not a Kevin McCarthy fan. I, I still find it to be one of the most remarkable quotes ever given. One of Kevin McCarthy's own staff members, one of his own employees, one of the people on Kevin McCarthy's payroll, one time said of Kevin McCarthy, his superpower is that he believes in nothing. He clearly does not believe in the House of Representatives. The only thing Kevin McCarthy ever seems to have believed in is his own power. And he worked very hard over time to become Speaker of the House and then lost it. And then worked very hard to undermine those who would be Speaker of the House so he could re-become Speaker of the House, and it did not happen. So having lost the power of the Speakership, the only thing he wanted, he's now done. He doesn't care that it will put the Republicans in a precarious spot. Um, they will have a two-seat majority. Uh, at the end of the year, when Kevin McCarthy leaves, they'll actually have a one-seat majority because Congressman Johnson, I forget where he's from, up north somewhere, he's leaving as well. So the Republicans will have a one-seat majority in the House of Representatives, which is a um, 
just going to be gridlock, which I'm fine with, by the way. Uh, we are all safer the less Congress does, and that the House of Representatives won't be able to do much is actually not a bad thing. We're headed into an election season anyway. It's not like they're going to get a bunch of big stuff done. Uh, but that Kevin McCarthy would bail at the end of the year because he can't be Speaker of the House anymore is just a symptom of his character. But the larger issue as well is that Matt Gates opened Pandora's box. There are a whole lot of people who still view Matt Gates's ouster of Kevin McCarthy as some sort of genius move and uh, some sort of brilliant payback and that Kevin McCarthy got what he deserves. And I'm not a McCarthy fan. I didn't want McCarthy to be Speaker in the first place. But it, it is kind of ironic that uh, Matt Gates may cost the Republicans their majority. Put Hakeem uh, Jeffries in as Speaker of the House before the election next year because of what he did with Kevin McCarthy. But there's more here, too. Um, this Republican House of Representatives did a very good thing exposing the anti-Semitism on college campuses. You know, that this is it, it's kind of amazing that as much as the House of Representatives is kind of a poop show these days, to put it politely for radio, they, they did a really good thing with this hearing yesterday. But there's problems in getting anything done. Everything is a fight. You know, the House Freedom Caucus guys uh, are very upset about the border funding and Ukraine and Israel funding. I continue to support funding Ukraine. I think we got to fight the Russians. Let the, well, we should be letting the Ukrainians fight the Russians and killing the Russians and helping them kill the Russians. Because otherwise, we're going to have to fight them. Um, some Republican members of the House disagree. They will, they're willing to tie it to border funding if they get funding for the border, but they don't seem to be able to get funding for the border from the Democrats, so they'll give up funding for Ukraine and for Israel as well. They'll, they'll, they'll blow everything up, which is their right to do. We'll save some money in the meantime. But we've got fundamental challenges in the country, and the House of Representatives under Republicans and Democrats together is not really a serious institution. I can kind of understand, if I'm really, really like honest about it, I can get the anxiety of people who are worried about Donald Trump coming back to the presidency because they are convinced that Congress won't do anything, that if Donald Trump were to get out of hand, Congress still wouldn't do anything. They'd have to rely on the courts and Trump-appointed judges, and can they take the chances? Yeah, listen— I actually have – I've got greater appreciation for this country. I think that a lot of people on the left, I think the country works fine. And I absolutely do think that if Donald Trump were to become president again and were to try to become a dictator, that he would be frog-marched out of the White House on January 20th, 2029. It'd kind of be funny to see. I mean, I, I honestly, I, I, I kind of think it would be very funny if Donald Trump did get elected – and at the end of his term, said, well, I'm not leaving. I mean, they kind of, they screwed me out of my first term and then they stole the election and now I'm back and I'm not leaving. I really do think I get four more years. He would be frog marched out of the White House on January 20th, 2029, thrown out on the curb by the Secret Service. The fact that members of the media are freaked out, say, he would never leave. As I said yesterday, 
you must believe uh, that the American people have failed, that the American Congress has failed, that the American judicial system has failed, that the American military has failed, that the American Secret Service has failed, that all of the institutions of government and the people themselves have failed if you believe that Donald Trump could become a dictator if he wins an election. And by the way, if he wins an election, he's won because the people voted to put him in the power. What you're saying is you don't trust the people of the United States, which the elite don't do to begin with. If the elite had their way, that I mean, that they, they would put in some sort of republic of the technical elite, the technocrats, the some Plato-style republic that where the elite get to govern and make the wise decisions for the people who can't be trusted. They don't, the elite in this country, trust the people. If the people vote for Donald Trump next year, the people will have voted for Donald Trump. Respect the people. You know, I say all the time people are stupid and voters are people, so voters are stupid, but... I have learned over time to respect the will of the voters, even if I don't think they got it right. You can understand that the the collective nature of the vote of the people of the country and, and how things ultimately make sense to them, whether you like it or not. What I don't understand is the obsession, the unhealthy obsession with Trump. But by the way, that obsession goes to both sides because look at Trump's supporters. A lot of Trump supporters are blasting Kevin McCarthy for leaving at the end of the year. But Kevin McCarthy was Donald Trump's guy. Donald Trump helped Kevin McCarthy secure his speakership. And now Kevin McCarthy, having lost his power, will walk away. Part of the problem we have with the generation of leadership uh, in Congress today, particularly the boomers, but now some of those Gen Zers who are getting elected too on, on the Democratic side, the AOCs and, and the like, is their loyalty is to themselves. There's not a loyalty to an institution. It's not really even loyalty to the country. It's just to themselves and their own acquisition of power. Kevin McCarthy, he's like the oldest Gen Zer ever. I had a buddy of mine who served with him in the California legislature who said that Kevin McCarthy when the rest of them would be reading, reading the white papers and, and the policy prescriptions and the legislation. He was always reading People Magazine and Us Weekly. He thought it was more important to be in touch with what the people were talking about than actually be in touch with the policy papers. McCarthy's just kind of the, this, this vapid guy. He's always struck me as kind of a vapid guy. He doesn't really believe anything, doesn't really know much about anything, just, just the, the, um, how to accumulate power for himself, and even then he couldn't hold on to it because of Matt Gates. But he was Trump's guy. And Trump supported him and got him there, and now he's kind of betrayed everybody by abandoning ship, leaving the GOP with this two-seat, going to be one-seat majority. Poor old Mike Johnson, the Speaker of the House. I wonder if he's even moved stuff into the Speaker's uh, office because it's going to be probably removed pretty quickly the way things are going uh, unless he can get a way to corral the members you got the House Freedom Caucus guys ready to throw him out over budget and, and border and security. Nothing can get done. It's really going to require us to get through the next election to settle some of these things. My hope is that the Republicans will put up new faces at the presidential level, a new face, new voice, new leadership at the, at the presidential level, so we're not forced to go back through 2020 and, and Trump versus Biden. My hope is that Republicans win decisively the House of Representatives and the Senate next year so they can actually get things done. 
But on the bright side right now, one of the most significant things the Republicans can do is nothing. The bias in Washington and among the press and among the politicos of both parties is for the parties to get stuff done. But I am very much in the camp uh, that the less Washington does, the better off we are. The hard part is stopping the bureaucrats who've decided that they can run roughshod over all of us and the GOP can't really stop them. But uh, the fact that Congress can't raise taxes right now, Congress can barely even pass a budget, Congress can't curtail our freedoms, that's not a bad thing. Because of so much of critical theory in this country and the way the left has, has, has talked about this country, a lot of people believe that the founders of the country were bad, that they were racist, that they were slaveholders, that they were, they were all sorts of awful things. What people forget is that the founders were far wiser than us because they lived in dangerous times where they really could get killed for their ideological beliefs, more so than any of us can today in this country. And the founders had a deep aversion to raw power and a deep aversion to mob rule, had a deep aversion to kings, and they made it very, very hard to get anything done. Gridlock is a feature, not a bug, of the American system. The founders wanted it to be difficult to get things done. And the more difficult it is for the Washington elite of both parties to get things done, the better off it is. And to the extent Kevin McCarthy leaving makes it even more difficult to get things done, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's not like they could get anything done with him there anyway. But it's one more useless person who viewed the office as a way for self-advancement if he leaves. Uh, but also, I do think Republicans are ultimately going to have to reckon with Matt Gates made it more and more likely the Democrats might get back in charge of the Congress before we even have an election, the way the Republicans are leaving office. One-seat majority. You have two people who, who get in a car wreck or something, get injured, who are out sick, get COVID, and they're bedridden for a week. Suddenly the Democrats are back in charge, and a lot of that has to do with Matt Gates deciding to oust McCarthy from the office. He never should have been in the office in the first place, but he was there. The whole thing's destabilizing. And again... I'm in the camp that gridlock is good. The less Washington does, the better. But also, there are times of crisis coming where we will need a functional house, and we don't have that because the Republicans played stupid games and are intent on winning stupid prizes. He'll do the research and give it to you straight. Eric Erickson is live every weekday. Get the podcast, live stream, email, and social media links by texting Eric to 33777 now. Hi there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. I, I wanted to spend more time on the story, but uh, there's only so much I can do today with everything else going on. Wall Street Journal has a big story about how the United States actually has the money to build a more robust military but lacks the wherewithal and development capabilities to be able to do it. And that in and of itself is a deeply troubling story. I'm not a big fan of a robust government industrial policy. I, I think government controls on the private sector are pretty bad, and, and we know build inefficiencies. We're seeing this in China with the rollout of the Chinese military, although it is developing rapidly and they're pushing out a massive number of ships. 
their their development or reaches back to the United States pre World War II as we started cranking out a lot of ships. Uh, but the problem here is that uh, they're not well built, and the ships are break uh, literally breaking apart, catching fire, things like that. I I don't think the Chinese are as capable as a lot of people claim, in large part because it's a, a totalitarian dictatorship, and those don't tend to breed uh, successful advances. They're stealing technology more than developing it themselves as well. They've stolen a lot of our technology. But the fact that this country can't get its uh, stuff together and that the defense industry is in large part just a way to subsidize Boeing and keep it alive and functioning in the wake of the 737 mess, that's not good, and we really do need a fundamental shakeup of our uh, military-industrial complex. Uh, as much as you may not like them, and, and there are those who are just convinced that we're having these global wars because the military-industrial complex wants to get rich, that's really simple-minded, dumb thinking, but there are dumb people who believe it. The reality is the military needs to grow, and we need to figure out a way to get these companies producing armaments, weapons, arms, more developments for ships. It doesn't seem to me that the uh, nuclear aircraft carrier flotilla is a smart move going forward when one nuke can take out the whole thing. Um, we need more drones, smaller ships. See, you know, every time there's a military war game scenario, the one that wins in the Navy is the ones that produces a mass pile of, of little ships that even so, uh, act as like suicide bombers. In fact, they, they've kind of banned that role-playing scenario now in, in these war games where you just produce a whole a lot of little ships and, and run them all into the fleet, and it worked every single time. And we're doing this massive pile of, of aircraft carriers and an entire fleet of uh, destroyers and the like. We need to rethink the way we do our Navy. We need to build fast. We need to advance our aircraft fleet. Um, I still prefer the F-22 to the, the that stupid joint strike fighter thing that also isn't nearly as cool looking. Uh, but we got problems in our military. And it doesn't sound like this administration is really that focused on it, nor does it honestly sound like a lot of Republicans are. Our military has become the de facto subsidizer of Boeing, to a degree Lockheed as well, but Boeing in particular, uh, to keep Boeing on our space program operates the same way. We should not be using the Defense Department or our space program to keep in business private sector businesses. We should be using our space and defense programs to project American power abroad and even in space. And it seems like the basics are falling apart there. The remarkable story from the Wall Street Journal that we've got the means to do it. We just lack the ability to build new ships and technology in the military. That's not good.